you brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have. Uh, turn with me to uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, and verse 18. I want to pick up just exactly where Abby left off. Uh, she done our scripture reading this morning. And uh, anyway, she read the first half of the chapter, and I want to read the second half. And I want you to keep in mind the part that she read this morning. She uh, uh, it talks about in the first part of chapter 5, walking in love. Then it talks about walking in the light. Uh, and then it talks about walking circumspectly, right? Walking carefully. I, I would think that it would mean walking wisely or in wisdom. And then I want you to have in mind as I begin to read in verse 18 and it's talking about the Spirit, I would think that it's telling us to walk in the Spirit. Uh, and so anyways, let's begin in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and we'll read on through the chapter, maybe the first couple verses of the next chapter. Uh, Ephesians 5, 18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein uh, is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking of your <clears throat> speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God wives submit yourselves uh, unto your own husbands as unto the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church." For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mo mother, uh, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here this morning to worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you, Lord, for each one who's come our way this morning, Lord. We thank you for the many blessings that you've poured out on us, but we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. 
God, I just pray as we go forward in this service here this morning, Lord, just have your way and your will in our midst. God, you know our needs here. You know where we fall short. You know what we stand in need of. You know where we struggle. You know the things that we're dealing with. You know the battles that we're facing, the ones that are still yet ahead of us. God, there is nothing that is hidden from you. And so, Lord, I just pray right now, God, that you would have your way and your will in our midst in a mighty way. God, that you would just move and do what only you can do here uh, and we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. And so, Lord, my prayer uh, this morning is not only that you would meet the needs of each one that's here, but also that you would meet the greatest need. God, if there is any among us that has uh, never known you, if there's any among us who have fallen away, any among us who has uh, just not where they used to be or not where they know that they ought to be in their walk and their relationship with you. God, let today be the day that they would uh, that they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. Lord, I'm asking, pour out your spirit on us here this morning. God, pour out that old-time Holy Ghost conviction, God. God, I'm praying that you wouldn't give us any peace until we'd get things right with you because that's the most important thing is our walk with you. And so, Lord, I'm just asking, Lord, just uh, help me to get out of the way. Help every one of us to get out of the way and let you be God of this service here this morning. And we'll be sure and give you all the glory for it. And God, let me ask one more thing of you. I need your help here this morning. God, I can't preach lest you give it to me. I got nothing to say on my own, Lord. So, Lord, I'm just asking that you'd clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. And God, that you'd place on my tongue the very things that you'd have me to say here this morning. And God, I, my prayer is, is each one would, would leave here knowing that they have heard from you. Lord, my desire is to preach, Lord, your word, your message, your thoughts. Uh, Lord, for, um, through my spirit, from my spirit to theirs. And God, we'll give you all the glory for it. We love you this morning. We worship you. We praise your holy name. God, pour your spirit out on us. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I don't always preach on Mother's Day or Father's Day or, you know, any of the other special days through the year, but sometimes I do. Um, this morning, that's at least how we're going to start out. I don't know how we're going to end. The Lord only knows that. But um, let me start with a few facts, a little bit of um, data. Uh, research data. Uh, I looked some of these things up. I had looked some of this up before. I come across some new things, and I, let me just let me just share it all with you here this morning. Uh, according to Lifeway Research Group, which that's a pretty good sized Christian research group, Father's Day. I think I could have thought this or figured this out, but I hadn't ever thought it before. Father's Day is the holiday with the single lowest average church attendance. Now, that's statistically averaged over a lot of churches throughout all the United States. But statistically, it is lower. It has an average lower attendance than Labor Day, than Memorial Day, even when the 4th of July falls on a Sunday. It is statistically, on average, Father's Day has an average lower attendance than any of those other days where we typically see less people in church, more people traveling and doing other things. 
um, I think this is interesting. I think this is interesting, especially when you consider that Mother's Day uh, tends to be the third highest day on average in attendance. Yeah, Easter being the highest, Christmas or the service closest to Christmas being, or, or whenever there are special things for Christmas, being the second highest. And then typically, statistically, Mother's Day is usually in third place. Um, I think that's interesting. Uh, I think that we might ought to be asking ourselves why that is. I've got a few more statistics I want to share with you, and maybe that will help kind of bear some of it out. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, according to some more uh, research statistical data uh, that was actually done and put together by Promise Keepers and by the Baptist Press, uh, this is what they, they found. They were doing specific research having to do with men and men going to church and, and then more specifically fathers going to church. But anyways, if a father uh, does not go to church, okay? So in the family, if dad does not go to church, and it doesn't matter, the data doesn't really change, it doesn't matter if the wife goes or not, if mom goes or not, but if dad does not go, statistically, only one child in 50, that's 2%, 2% of the children of that household, statistically, on average, we all know exceptions. I, myself, am an exception to that. Uh, but anyways, typically, one in 50, 2%, will become a regular church goer. Now, the other side of that is if dad does go to church, if the father goes to church and mom goes too, so both parents go to church, three out of four of their children typically end up as adults attending church on a regular basis, 75%, right? I'd like to be measuring true Christians, how many are truly Christians and how many truly become Christians, but that's a harder thing to measure because there's a lot of people that will, that will claim that, uh, that that's just not the case. So the easy thing, I understand, the easy thing to measure it by is my church attendance, okay? And so anyways, if both parents go, statistically, three-quarters of the children, 75% of them, three out of four, as adults will attend church on a regular basis. They may not for a while and may come back later in life. You see that a lot. But at some point, that's how that, that typically turns out and goes. In contrast, if the father does not go to church, but the mother does, on average, two out of three, right? That's what, 66.67%? Rounded up, 67% of their children as adults will not attend church on a regular basis. Another study that focused on Sunday school and Sunday school attendance found what I would consider to be very similar results, right, on the impact of fathers in church attendance. When both parents attended Sunday school, in addition, of course, to morning worship services, 70, the study found 72% of their children attend Sunday school when they're grown, when they're adults, okay, later on, on their own, when they're making their own decision. 72%, that's pretty similar to the other numbers, the 75% we found on church attendance. When only the father 
attends Sunday school. Mom doesn't go to Sunday school, but Dad goes to Sunday school. 55% of the children later, when they're on their own as adults, statistically will attend Sunday school on a regular basis. When only mom attends Sunday school, dad never goes, but mom goes. 15, only 15% of the children, when they are grown, will attend Sunday school on a regular basis. And then the last statistic would be when neither parent. When neither parent attends Sunday school on a regular basis. All right, so then you're looking at children who are bussed in or somebody else brings them or whatever the case may be. Parents drop them off. Uh, and, and you see parents do that. They think they're doing the right thing. Well, I drop my kids off at church, you know, and they feel like they're doing the right thing. In that scenario... The same study found that only 6% of those children, once they are grown, will choose to attend Sunday school on a regular basis. Now, one other point of data or survey that I want to share with you. This is the one that I, that I shared, I think, before. It found that if a child is the first person in the household to become a Christian, all right, so you see a child in the household, they're the ones that get saved first through a bus ministry, through a neighbor, through an after-school program, whatever the case may be. If the child is first, there is a 3.5% chance that everybody else in the household will follow that child's example and become Christians themselves. If mom is the first person in the household to become a Christian, whatever those circumstances may be, but she's the one that gets saved first. There is a 17% chance that everyone else, everyone else in the household will follow her example and become Christians also. 17% if mom's first. 3.5% if the child is first. 17% if mom's first. However, when the father is first... When dad is, something happens and dad is the one that gets saved first. There is a 93% chance everyone else in the household will follow dad's example and will end up, um, these are people who obviously self-profess, but will, will get saved and will follow Christ. Here's the point the reason why I shared all those numbers and statistics with you. Dad's impact on the kids' faith and their practice of that faith is huge. I don't think it can be overstated. So, keep that in mind as we work through this scripture. Now, as we look at the scripture that was read in the scripture reading this morning, and then I finished reading the second half of that, right? When we look at Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6, you can see that, you know, God is, he's telling us to walk in love. He's telling us to walk uh, in the light. He's telling us to walk circumspectly. He's telling us to, to walk in the spirit. You can see where I started out reading that God tells us to avoid 
drunkenness, right? And to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that's in verse 18. And then you can see in the, in the very next verse, in verse 19, uh, that being filled with the Spirit of God results in, in a transformed personality, right? You can see it talks about in verse 20 that, that part of that transformed personality is a spirit of gratitude. And then in verse 21, you can see a humble attitude is also a part of that. And then there's a reason, right? There's a reason that it goes that it starts talking about the marriage in verse 22 and 23, right? The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, is how this epistle, this letter is penned, okay? And he wasn't going along and he didn't all of a sudden in his mind just change gears and just say, oh yeah, by the way, I want to talk about wives and husbands. I'm going to start that right here. No, 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 no. There is a reason that this is all laid out and that it's in the order that it's in. And it all flows and it all goes together. You see, whenever whenever it starts out by talking about being filled with the Spirit, and let's talk about husbands for a minute, right? And dad is filled with the Spirit of God. Dad is serving Christ, right? You see the change that takes place in him or the mother, whoever the person is. But you see the change that takes place, the transformation personality, right? A change in their, in their spirit and their attitude, right? And all of these things that he's talked about uh, leading up to this, right? That changes the dynamic of our marriages. The composition, the makeup of it. Everything is different. Everything is changed. The way, the way husband and wife interact and treat and think about each other. It's changed. And then that sets the stage for, of course, he talks about that and he gives some specifics, and maybe we'll get into that here in a minute. But anyways, it sets the stage leading up to what I read about here, uh, in, especially in chapter 6 and verse 4, right? Where it sets the stage for God's um, great warning, his admonition, right? His warning specifically for dads. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, right? Do not provoke your children to anger. Instead, bring them up in the nurture and admonition, right? The instruction, the discipline, the training of the Lord. So let's, let's think about that for a minute. Let's, let's dive further into this, um, can I call it divine wisdom? These instructions that God has given to us here in His Word. And let's discover what the principles that will enable us to walk in love, to walk in the Spirit, to walk circumspectly, right? Uh, let's look at what He's talking about here, walking in the Spirit. Let's look at what He talks about. He's talking about love again in the Scriptures that I've read, right? And then in chapter 6, I think really what He's getting at here is being spiritual role models. That's what God has called us to be. So, um, I'm not going to reread all this, but I do want to reread this first section. Verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourself to one another in the fear of God. Let's talk about that for just a minute, being filled with the Spirit. 
Now, the command at the end where I stopped was to uh, bring up our children in the nurture and admonition, right? The training and instruction and discipline of the Lord, all right? How do we do that? How do we bring them up in that nurture and admonition of the Lord? Well, I think that that sets the stage, right, for the Apostle Paul to give some practical uh, instructions and suggestions, and that's what he's done here. But those suggestions that is between the section I just read to you and then verse 4, right in between there is what maybe I'd call some practical suggestions or instructions, right in between there, those suggestions are offered within the context of God's view of a spirit-filled dad. Can I focus on that part of it here this morning? Right, this is Father's Day. On a spirit-filled dad. It's the spirit-filled part of that that makes the other suggestions that he gives here effective. How important is it to have a spirit... uh, I'm not going to get into how easy it is that anybody can father a child, but it's a whole different story when, it, when we start talking about being a dad. And, we, and what I mean by that is being a, a Christian father, being a spirit-filled father. In verse 18, there is a contrast between uh, being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. All right? Let's start there. Paul is making this contrast, this... Um, this description, this uh, illustration for a reason. You're going to find that same type of illustration, that same picture being painted uh, several times in the New Testament. For instance, uh, John the Baptist. It was said about him that he would not drink strong drink, but instead would be filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. There's that same contrast being drawn there. On the day of Pentecost, you remember that? Acts chapter 2, right? On the day of Pentecost, as they preached and witnessed in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit coming upon them and filling them, right? And they uh, preached and they witnessed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of the people who who were listening and who witnessed this, uh, what they said was these people are drunk, right? You see that same comparison being made. Right? So do you see that comparison here in Ephesians 5.18 as well. It's what it's telling us is not to be under the influence of wine, which is worldly and bad, right? Alcohol, you know, something that has that kind of an influence, right? But instead to be fully and completely under the influence of the Holy Spirit, which is good and God's will for each of us, right? You see the comparison, the contrast that is being drawn there, right? Being drunk with wine is being so full of alcohol. That's what it means when it talks about being drunk with wine, is being so full of alcohol that that alcohol actually affects uh, your thinking and it changes the way you behave. That's what kind of effect it has on you when you've drank, in, when you've drank enough that it's, you know, it, 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 as it's talking about here, being drunk, right? And so anyways, it affects the way that you think and it changes 
the way that you behave, right? So what he's telling us, he's using that as an illustration, what he's telling Christians is don't be filled with the world, but instead be filled with God. Don't live under the influence of the world, but instead live under the influence of God. That's what he means by being spirit-filled. We make a lot of things out of it that maybe we just go too far or draw wrong conclusions. I'm not going to go into any of that, but I'm just going to say very simply, he's telling us, don't be filled with the world. Be filled with God. Don't live under the influence of the world. Live under the influence of God. Fully and completely to such a point that it changes the way you think and the way that you behave. And then you become a new person in Christ, don't you? Um, so, the first thing that we've got to draw from this is to be filled with the Spirit of God. The second thing, and I'm not, I don't think I'm going to take the time to read all of these scriptures again, but as the rest of chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, and the thing that I want to point out is loving our wives. Uh, there's several interesting things here. And, I, and I'm not going to try to cover all of them because I want to stay on my point here. But one thing I find fascinating that maybe you could look into more is never once... Okay, he tells the husbands to love their wives. But never once does he tell the wives to love their husbands. Jennifer, amen from the back there. But that's not my point, so I'm not going to get too into that right now. But here is, here is my point. If we are to be the fathers that God desires us to be, He's got things set in order here for a reason. This isn't by happen chance. If we're going to be the fathers that God desires us to be, wants us to be, has called us to be, the Spirit-filled fathers that we must be, then we must first be the husbands that God desires us to be. He's setting things in order here, right? Paul reveals the foundation of being a, a, a good husband, right, as well as being a good father, and that's us loving our wives, right? Listen to me. I hope this slaps you right in the face because that is what it's intended to do. That's what God intended for it to do. I cannot love my children as I should if I do not love my wife as I should. You cannot love your children as you should if you do not love your wife, their mother, as you should. Amen? You better amen it because it's right. Now, I will also be the first to admit that this command can be difficult to fulfill and live. Let's be honest. Um, on the surface, it might appear simple. I mean, on the surface, the Lord is, expects us to love our wives. And I agree, that's exactly what the text is saying and what it implies. However, 
that love, there's a lot to it. Um, that love that the Apostle Paul is speaking of in the text, I think there's more to it than what a lot of people realize. We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Think about that. We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. This is a sacrificial love that, that does well, it wishes well, right? No matter what the circumstances, it's a love that, uh, that also disciplines and corrects, right? Uh, harmful indulgences and misbehavior, no matter what the cost, right? We see Christ doing that, right? We see that same thing, right? It is a love that demonstrates kindness, benevolence, and respect even in the midst of stormy situations, right? It's a, it's a love of choice. That is something so many people misunderstand and they get love and lust confused and they're not the same thing. Uh, love is a choice that you make, a conscious choice. I have told, I, I told my children this. I've told, I think, every couple I've ever counseled this uh, uh, before they got married, after they've got married. There is going to be mornings when you look over at that other person, right? Or they're going to do things and you are not going to feel like loving them. I can't tell you how many times I've encountered people who have said, well, I don't know what happened, but we just fell out of love. Well, I know exactly what happened. <coughs> you decided to go back on the choice that you made. Real love, true love, godly love, agape love, it is a choice, a conscious decision that you make to love that person no matter what. It's not a feeling or an emotion. Those things are fleeting. Those things come and go. It is a decision. Right? It is a love, I said that sacrifice, it is a love that cares, it is a love that gives, it is a love that works for another person's good, no matter how that person may respond or treat you. Our love should be a selfless, compassionate, patient kind of love. I think if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you'll read some of those things. Husbands, dads, fathers, by loving our wives like this, we then are creating an environment of peace and of security in which our children can flourish, in which the gospel is shared to them, the good news... Jesus Christ, how he come and how he give his life on Calvary's cross, shed his life blood for us and for them and for everyone who will accept him. How he came and paid our sin debt for us. And then real quickly, one last point and I'll, and I'll end. I'll make this really short. When I read into chapter 6, it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, 
which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I see a spiritual role model. One of the greatest gifts that we can give our children is the example of a godly life. Don't you forget that and don't you take that lightly. You, you, we, we think we like to believe, believe the lie that the choices that we make having to do with our own life uh, affects nobody but ourselves and harms nobody but ourselves. And that is a lie and that is a bunch of baloney. And if you believe that, you are deceived. It surely everything affects not only you, but it affects other people as well. And most often it affects the, the hardest and the most, those that are around you and nearest and dearest to you. We are to be a model of genuine faith, uh, displaying the fruits of the Spirit, which were mentioned earlier in chapter 5, right? And then displaying those in our actions and in our attitudes. Listen, <coughs> our children are watching us closely. Did you not pick that up from all them statistics that I give? Children are watching Dad, and they are following Dad's example, and his leadership, and if it's bad, then the odds are they're making bad choices as well. And if it's good, then the odds are that they will make those same good choices. None of it's 100%, but the odds are heavily stacked in, the, in that favor. Our children are watching us closely. And our faithfulness to God's Word, they will it, that right there will shape their perception of our Heavenly Father. Do you realize that? They're, what they see from us and our example that we set for them, it forms their perception. That's the, good, that's the best word I can think of. Their perception of God. So let's be diligent in our pursuit of righteousness. Let's be diligent in displaying our integrity and our humility and having a teachable spirit. So let me, I'll just end with this. May we all be filled with the Spirit of God, loving and leading. Fathers, dads, may we all be filled with the Spirit of God, loving and leading our wives. Nurturing and disciplining our children. Serving as the spiritual role models. Let us embrace that divine calling to walk in love. And to fulfill our God-given responsibilities with joy and humility. By God's grace, we can leave a lasting impact on our families and future generations to come. But let me say, if you're going to make that kind of an impact, then you're going to have to reconstruct your family, your marriage, your household around this right here, around the Word of God. And each one of you are going to have to assume the proper biblical role in your relationships with each other. 
I'm talking to every one of us here this morning. Husbands, be the spiritual leader in your family. Don't be a dictator. Love your family. Lead your family. Wives, let your husband lead. Encourage him to lead. Pray for him. But please, let him lead. And children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. It is the only way that you're going to get the kind of home that you're longing for. The kind of home that you dream of. The kind of home that you're hoping for. The kind of home that you're longing for. I'm talking to all of you. Dads, wives, children. The only way that you're going to get that home is you're going to have to restructure it around the Word of God. You're going to have to take the proper role that God has given you. Will you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar this morning and I want to give you a chance to come. Spirit of God dealing with you this morning, would you come? If you've got a need, if you've got a burden this morning, would you come? Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. Would you come this morning?